Welcome to Learning Differently, Thriving Wildly, a Trident Academy podcast. On this podcast, we will delve into the experiences of individuals with learning differences, spanning from childhood to adulthood. Guests share inspiring stories and offer insights into the impact of learning disabilities on various aspects of life, including school, work, relationships, and self-esteem. Learn how they discovered the strength and courage, but also the resilience that enabled them to thrive. This podcast is ideal for students, parents, teachers, and really anyone seeking encouragement to keep pushing forward. If you would like to be a part of this podcast and share your amazing story with the world, please feel free to reach out to jsticko at tridentacademy.com. We would love to hear your story. The chair of the International Dyslexia Association, head of the Landmark School, passionate educator, and dedicated advocate for students with learning differences, I really honestly couldn't be more excited uh, to welcome Joshua Clark to the show today to kind of share his stories between you know all the ups and downs that he had to face as a young student and, and also as an adult uh, with dyslexia. So, Josh, I appreciate you so much coming on the show. Um, I couldn't thank you enough. Honored to be here. So, so excited to... Um... Uh, get to share with you and uh, super again just super honored by the invitation well thank you again so i don't want to really work backwards here because i do want to start from the beginning but I, I do need to ask this question you know why did you decide to devote your life to to dyslexic learners what was your what was your motivation there yeah that's a great question so um great question so and it's interesting too because i've i've found myself right d dedicating my my life's you know, work and my career to this. And now I have two dyslexic kids, but I started this before I ended up, you know, with two dyslexic kids. So I, I would tell you it's because of my own kids, but it actually uh, somewhat preceded that. And I think for me, it came from, I still to this day, um, I'm always amazed when I, I, I meet a kid who likes school. I, I just, I hated school so much. And I remember when I first started teaching, I taught at an independent, a traditional independent school in Memphis, Tennessee, where I'm from. And I taught sixth grade. And there were these kids that genuinely liked school. And I just thought that was mind blowing. I, I didn't know that was an option. So that's somewhat where it started with me, like this idea that people could like school, that you could, you could make school uh, uh, or design it in such a way that uh, all kids enjoy it. So that was a big part of it. And then in teaching, I, again, I, and I, and we'll get into it more, but I knew nothing yeah. about dyslexia when I became a teacher. I had a teaching degree. We never once did I have, I think even a paragraph mentioned dyslexia in my undergrad courses. Yeah. I found myself just really drawn and connecting to these brilliant kids who are in my classes that were working so hard to get to the same outputs or sometimes not even an equal output as, as their peers. And yet it was obvious to me how bright and smart they were. And I also really saw myself in them, uh, not the bright and smart part, but in the having to work <laughs> hard uh, uh, to uh, kind of get to a similar result. And so that's really where it kind of came together for me, this this combination of really seeing kids and wanting to uh, uh, understand how they can work that hard and not necessarily achieve what, what I know they could otherwise, combined with this kind of notion that you could make school not awful. Um, right. So that's, that's kind of how I got to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is why I really wanted to do this podcast is, is to share these stories and see the similarities and see the differences because we all have our, our own story. Right. But a lot of times they kind of intertwine like you. I couldn't stand school. 
I mean, I'm, I tried every, you know, trick under the book tried to try to stay home. I used a hairdryer to give myself a fever. Uh, I even went as far as trying to give myself a, a rash so I didn't have to go to school. Uh, poison ivy is what, I, what I'm really trying to say there. Um, but that's that's a long story for another time. But um, it, it's just funny how, you know, we both find ourselves now as, you know, not just educators, but leaders in the field uh, in our schools, you know, forming and shaping a school where all kids want to show up to a, a fun environment, a multisensory environment where our kids can feel welcome. Um, there is no such thing as a dumb question. There's no such thing as a dumb student, a dumb kid. Um, and I think that was something that I, I was longing for as a student that I never really had until I felt comfortable with who I was. Um, and, and I went to a public school my whole life and it, it was a large public school. And then in high school, I went to a, a smaller Catholic school, but it was different here at, at Trident Academy and, and at your school landmark. It's just probably a different feeling um, when you show up to school. Uh, so, my story is a lot like yours. I, I hated coming school to school and, and for me to help shape a, a place of belonging and a place where kids smile in the morning when they walk into school, it, it just, it keeps me waking up and wanting to come to work each morning. Um, so yeah. a lot of similarities there between, between you and I. Um, well, I gotta so, tell you before, yeah. real quick, before we move on to more uh, kind of weighty topics, it's funny that you said, so I, I get, I agree, tons of parallels. And when I, it was either late elementary or early middle, I clearly remember taking a poison, taking poison ivy and rubbing it all over my face, <laughs> literally just so I, and it worked, it worked. Uh, yeah. Just so I didn't have to go, my eyes swelled shut. It was miserable, yeah. but I didn't have to go to school. Yeah. So that was yeah, funny just, that you mentioned something similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that day because it ended up not working for me, but I had twin sisters that were following behind me. They were younger than me and they did it. And unfortunately they both caught it and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that is wow. Poison Ivy. That's, that's, yeah. that's a real good parallel. Um, what, do you remember what age you were diagnosed at? Or do you remember the, the testing process at all? Because I remember it pretty vividly. So that's, that's interesting. So I, I, I'd say I'm somewhat unique, but I actually don't know. I think I'm, you're, you're probably uh, uh, an exception to the, some, to our generation, right? I'm um, probably a little bit younger than me, but um, I say out to say that I, I was not diagnosed when I was in school. I, I, I always tell my kids again, both of whom are dyslexic. Um, I joke that, you know, my father had to walk through snow to get to school, but I had, you know, dyslexia didn't exist. It wasn't even an option when, you know, when I was in school. And so, um, I, I clearly remember, um, uh, in the elementary and middle school, mostly through high school, but especially elementary and middle school, really struggling in school, really struggling with spelling. I always liked learning, but I really hated school. And I saw those as two very different things. Um, I actually liked reading. I just hated reading aloud. Um, I remember sitting in class and, you know, uh, trying to make, trying to count how many paragraphs uh, I was going to be, you know, so, if, you know, I'm fourth <laughs> yeah. in line. I would try to get to the fourth paragraph and spent no time listening to what was being read and everything trying to make sure I could say these words. And then someone would get up to go to the bathroom and I would just hate that person with everything in my being. Cause All then I had to move up through. one paragraph. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I hated them. Um, oh, yeah. So, so I honestly, I was, um, uh, I was not diagnosed. I was, uh, and it was interesting. So I now I live North, uh, just North of Boston, but I'm from the South originally. Um, not Charleston, but grew up outside of Memphis. And I remember in school so much, and to a degree, I think this is still true, but it was very much a focus on behavior and character and manners. As long as I wasn't getting in trouble and as long as I was using proper manners, nobody seemed concerned uh, that I couldn't spell 
or that I uh, was failing math or, you know, all these other things. And it really wasn't until my, both, well, when my oldest was diagnosed uh, that I really kind of finally um, fully embraced uh, uh, the whole, uh, the whole idea. Um, Cause again, it just wasn't, it was not an option when I was growing up. Um, it was yeah, not, not talked about. You, you, I just told him to work harder and take my time. And just, gotcha. I, yeah, take yeah, my time. We, we kind of flipped there. Cause I grew up in New Jersey my whole life. Hmm. Um, and then I moved down here in 2016 to Charleston, South Carolina. But you know, I, I, I was diagnosed in second grade, but it never doesn't say dyslexia on there. It just says a learning disability. And that's basically it. Um, you know, I, I have all my test scores over here right next to my desk. I keep them up as kind of like a badge of honor. Um, and I, and I, every time I speak to a student and they're saying, you know, I'm really not getting this, I'm struggling. I look over there and I look, and I show them my dictation was at a 7% in, you know, third, fourth grade. And, and it's possible. It's just the motivation and the will to keep on going. Um, and like you, I hid in the back of the classroom. I counted the, the, the paragraphs. I was like, all right, I'm in the fourth paragraph. And then if I couldn't figure out a word, I would try to switch the word to make sense and, or mumble it when I was reading out loud. So no one would catch me. Uh, or go to the bathroom right before it was my turn to go. Um, but eventually all my teachers kind of caught on. Um, but I guess what's a little bit different between, I guess, the, the North and the South during, you know, when we were growing up was there was a, a push for the manners and, 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 you know, the behaviors. But I was never really showing any poor behaviors. My, um, that was my brother's job. Uh, I was kind of the middle child. So I kind of flew under the radar. Um, but I have extreme ADHD as well. And um, I have trouble sitting still. Um, and my mom always told me, she's like, Oh, you know, you just have restless leg syndrome. You know, your grand, your great grandfather had it. It's just, but no, that wasn't it at all. It's just my ADHD. Just, I mean, I got tested as an adult, and it was like the 95th percentile for for ADHD. Wow. And the doctor's like, I haven't seen anything like this in many years. Um, but it's it, it's funny how that you know the 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 north and the south in that comparison is they pushed my parents to get me tested. My my dad was totally against it. Um, he kept saying, you know. My son remembers the football plays. He remembers the basketball plays. You know, he doesn't, but it's because I was doing it, right? I was in motion. Right. I, you know, I'm a physical learner. I, I have to do it to learn it. Um, and in school, I wasn't. You know, I'm sitting there and like you, I'm counting paragraphs. I'm missing topics. I'm missing key ideas um, because I'm just worried um, what somebody else was going to say to me, you know, if I messed up a word. But as I reflect as an adult, you know, I kind of think back and I'm like, they probably wouldn't have cared. You know, the, my, my peers, I was never really bullied in school at all. You know, I played sports my whole life and and I was never bullied, but it was just a subconscious thing that I didn't want to either, you know, stick out from the crowd in class um, that kind of brought me down. Um, what, what what would you say was like your biggest gift? You know, because they always say dyslexics have a, a, a great gift. Um, I like yeah. to think that mine is it was sports. Uh, I'm I'm an athlete at heart. That's all I do. I was telling you earlier, I used to have a sports podcast. You know, that's all I do is sports. But um, what was your biggest gift as as a as a young kid? And then as you grow up, is this something you still enjoy doing and 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 love? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Um, but and but before I even have to make another uh, connection, right? So you mentioned that you keep your test scores in your office and show you know kids that come in. So behind me right now in my office, uh, you can. Uh, uh, See that the video is a. I have a frame of a a letter I wrote to the president in fourth grade uh, uh, that my teacher had to go under every single word and decipher every single word, and then right. under it are my third grade uh, Tennessee state test scores. 
And, I, and again, I'm similar to you. So That's like, amazing. My, my reading comprehension was like the 90th percentile, but right. my phonics or word analysis, which is just word reading, was in like the 30th percentile. And my social <laughs> studies and science scores were in like the, t- I, I looked so compromised, but to your point, no one wow. said a word. No one said a word. Wow. Um, yeah. Which is crazy to me. But to your point, so interesting too, like, so so many similarities, but then also a lot of differences in that I was the somewhat the opposite in that I was mm-hmm. not a sports guy. Gotcha. Um, I uh, I have zero coordination. Zero. Um, <laughs> my, uh, I you know later in life I, I really like to run and I, I I run a lot and do things. And my older brother, who's a big sports guy, always jokes and says, um, "I'm the greatest athlete as long as there's no ball involved," uh, which is very true. Like, <laughs> and it's so true. But run forever. Um, exactly. Stuff. Exactly. <laughs> but it's it's interesting. So when I was in school. I, I, I wasn't a sports guy. Right. And so I didn't click with that. I, I, you know, wasn't super popular. So what I ended up uh, kind of connecting and hanging out with like the nerdy kids, like the kids that got really mm-hmm. good grades, which right. in the end the grand scheme of things really helpful to me because it put pressure on me to just figure this out yep. a little bit more. But as a result of that too, I also got into um, speech and debate and theater and high school and all that to say, I think one of the greatest gifts or graded opportunities that dyslexia gave me is that I got really good at improvisation and talking on my feet and just kind of honestly BSing, if you will, to a certain degree, Um, because I I, I could do that, right? That's something, um, if you ask me to, you know, again, to read the uh, uh, paper or read something out loud or even write it um, uh, within like a 45 minutes, you know, time scenario, I couldn't do it, but I could figure out how to kind of impress my teachers and uh, show what I knew all through verbal expression. So, and I, I think it's largely because the first traditional route didn't work for me. So I over-invested in the other. And I actually think in the, you know, at the end of the day, that ability has taken me so far in my career and in my life, much more so than uh, anything, you know, any kind of acumen at traditional academics. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. So I read a book, it's um, Dyslexic Superpower or Dyslexia is My Superpower a couple of years ago. And in the book, it says that, you know, dyslexic are, are born with this trait of being extremely good at something or I just didn't agree with that. I feel it's more or less I kind of put all of my mental capacity and my willpower into something and kind of shut off the other thing, which made me really good at that one thing. Um, like, for example, sports, right? I put all my mental and physical capabilities and all my time and effort into sports while academics kind of fell at the wayside. Um, I think students with dyslexia have a a tendency to focus, hyper-focus on something that they're good at because deep down inside, they don't want to show what they're not good at. So they kind of avoid that at times. Um, And I think it's not until we can have our learners, at least for me, was I need to work on that to make sure that I'm balancing it off. So now that my superpower is now balanced with whatever I didn't do well. Um, And I think it's all about time and and what you consume yourself with. Right. Um, We have amazing, amazing students at Trident Academy that build unbelievable things and they can create shields and, and armor and all this great, fantastic stuff. And it's because I personally think, yes, they're very creative. Don't get me wrong, but they're putting so much of their effort and willpower into that. And I, and I love it because we always want to make sure that we are building strengths. Right. Um, But I do believe that sometimes we need to be okay with being dyslexic and being okay 
with understanding what you're not good at and putting some more effort into that. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, that 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 uh, really resonates. Um, I'm I'm a big big proponent of this of the idea of dyslexic strengths and that it comes with opportunities and all these things. I am not though a proponent of the the gift or even the superpower right. to depending on the context. Um, for the you know a lot of the reasons that you're describing, I think I think one is I think we. And again, I'm, I'm Mr. Dyslexia, Mr. Strengths, but I also think we can't diminish the fact that it does come with difficulties. Um, and that I think if we if we don't balance that conversation with our kids and we only talk about how dyslexia is a superpower and it's got all these things that uh, they don't have a narrative for why they're having a hard time. Right. So I think we have to balance that to say, yeah, there's some things that are going to be really hard for you, but there's also some things that you might be really, really good at. And then I think we have to you know, to your point, I think kids find their way. And I think we have to give them that spectrum because the last thing we want too is for a kid to feel like they're bad at being dyslexic, right? That, you know, they're, they're bad at Legos and all dyslexics are supposed to be good at Legos. And so they're bad at being dyslexic. And I'm freaking terrible at Legos. Uh, I, I hate right? Legos. So <laughs> I'm terrible, right? But a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of folks who are dyslexic are that spatial reasoning. Yep. They're great, right? Yep. They can really see and manipulate and that's wonderful. I'm terrible at that. But I, I do to your point, I think it's I think there is something. I think there is something to when everyone else goes left, you have to go right. I, th I think there's something to building resilience. I think there's something to building uh, fortitude. And I think there's a it it uh, for good or for bad, uh, I think invites and requires kids to find their talents and their strengths and their comfort zones probably earlier and invest in them more. Than a, than a kiddo who finds, oh, you know, I'm, I'm okay at a lot of stuff. Um, um, uh, so I, I think that's, and, and then, and the other piece I always say too, is that I think, I think if, when we are doing our jobs uh, to the, the best of our abilities and we're really, really being successful at like a Trident or a Landmark, I think giving kids the space and the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm dyslexic and that's not all bad. And it does bring some things for me that I find their advantage. I feel like that's when we are hitting it out of the park. And I also, but I also try to counter that to remember that most kids don't have that. Most kids never get to see dyslexia as a superpower or as, uh, you know, as a strength because either they're never identified or they're never given a narrative or the support that they need to kind of crawl out of the hole and they're just beaten down, beaten down. So I think I, I definitely think dyslexia is a strength. I agree to your point that a lot of it comes from the necessity of finding, you know, an avenue um, and not all kids get that opportunity, um, right. which is awful. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point there that I like kind of all of our listeners to kind of to double down on is, is when your child or you as a person are old enough to accept your dyslexia, because it does take some time, you know, it takes a lot of people time. And like you said, it's great on their young children to really focus on those gifts and focus on their strengths. But I, I think it's really important to, to also talk about the weaknesses and, and be okay with realizing that, you know, I really need to work double as hard as, you know, little Joey that sits next to me at reading. Um, it, it's just, it has to become an acceptance. You have to accept it because once you accept it, you're more willing to fight. You're more willing to go that extra mile. Um, so that was a really good point by you. So all the listeners out there that are, are struggling to kind of how to talk about it with their, you know, teenage to, to whenever your child kind of accepts their dyslexia, that's a really good point is to kind of focus on those strengths, but also Definitely bring up the weaknesses because it's really important for them to understand those. Yeah. Yeah. If we um, don't give them a narrative, yeah. they'll create one for themselves. Exactly. And that's the last thing that we want them to do. Um, you never want yeah. them to create their own narratives. Um, so when did you feel like things kind of turned around for you, you know, 
in school? Because you said that, you know, you used to count the paragraphs. Um, you know, to me that you were avoiding it at all costs. At least that's what I was doing. Um, when did it come to you being like, you know what, I, I could do this. This is this is this is doable. Yeah. Um really it was high school and it was probably more like junior year and a couple things happened one was I, I got again really into speech and debate and theater and I, I found something that I was good at and again I wasn't good at school I wasn't good at sports and so it was kind of hard for me to see myself right as successful in anything but to have an avenue right I think that that was uh, uh really meaningful and important to me. So I think that was um, a big piece of it. And then for me also, I grew up outside of Memphis, Tennessee in a kind of a small, uh, uh, at the time, really small suburb. Um, and I started to realize that I could get out of there, right? I like, uh, my brother went to college and I started to, um, uh, I went to Indiana University and we had some friends that moved there. Uh, so anyway, my junior year, we went to visit and, I, and I, I started to see a path for getting out of Cairoville, Tennessee, which at the time was all I wanted right, in this world. Right, right. And so that also just kind of gave me a new motivation, right? A new way of thinking, okay, um, maybe, I, uh, I, maybe I can double down and it's going to take me longer and it's going to be harder, but I can figure out a path, right, to uh, go from, you know, mainly C's uh, that I, I worked for those C's, but you know, if I worked right. really hard, I could just some, some B's and some A's on occasion. And that, that idea of a flight pass, um, right. along with, you know, seeing myself in a different way with some confidence was, uh, really what kind of turned it for me. And then when I got to college, I love college. I, academically, I did great in college because I knew how to study. I figured out exactly. how to do this. So while friends were absolutely falling apart, I, I had no problem working a week ahead of time on whatever it is. And I finally got to take stuff I found interesting versus stuff I had to take. And that right. was awesome. Yeah. Zone out classes, right? And then high school yeah. or you just could care less. Yeah. It's, it's like you, my, my, my light clicked on, as I like to say, you know, later in my academic career, it wasn't until really freshman year of college that my light kind of clicked on. Um, throughout high school, I still didn't like school, but like, had to show up because, again, I wanted to play sports. And if I didn't get decent grades, I wasn't going to play. Um, but I did it because of the sports aspect of things. Um, sports got me into college. Football got me into college. Um, but once I got there, I, I, I listened to the whispering. Um, I like to prove people wrong. It's I guess it's it's part of my trait. Um, I like to the told you so type of thing. Um you know, growing up, my family members were always laugh and joke, meaning my grandma and stuff saying, oh, he's the one that's going to be living in your basement, you know, when he gets older. And, and, and I would laugh and, you know, laugh it off. But deep down, I took that stuff kind of personal um, because why would why why me? Why was I the one that was going to have to live in the basement with you? And um, but once I got to college, it was kind of like, OK, um, I'm going to buckle down here. I, I, yeah, I'm playing sports. I'm not going to go to the NFL. Um, so what what do I need now to prove those people wrong? that I will not be in the basement when I'm 35. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just didn't see that for me. Um, so I, I figured out to how to bring those strategies that I learned in elementary and middle school, which I was blessed to have with my resource room teachers, um, which I'm actually gonna have one of my resource room teachers on with me um, to kind of uh, share her story of me pretty soon on the next episode. I'm excited about that, but That's really in cool. high school, yeah, it's gonna be, I'm excited about that. But in high school, I kind of flew by the radar um, I went to a really good academic school, um, but it's really heavily sports oriented. And if you kind of played football or wrestling, they kind of, you know, they passed you for lack of a better word. Um, it's totally different yeah. now I hear, but um, 
you know, my SAT scores, for example, they were atrocious. Um, and I couldn't get into Cornell, which they wanted me to go there and play football because my SAT scores were just too low. So I ended up going to another college that didn't take SAT scores at the time. So that's kind of how, you know, I made my way in. But like, like you, later in life, something clicked. And, and in college, I took the classes that I enjoyed. I love history and I took all history classes. Um, sociology, I really found fascinating. Um, I minored in religion because for me, that is, is, is the keystone of, of history in general. Um, I just love learning that stuff. And like you, I, I fell in love with learning. Um, and, and like you, I learned how to study. You know, I was forced to do it. I had my own time to do it in college, right? Because you don't have all these family things that you have to go to. You kind of can schedule your schedule how you want to. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I always tell my families here at Trident is the light's going to click on. Um, mm -hmm. And once it clicks on, it's, it's going to be, you got you to gotta dive into your drive and you got to dive into your, 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 your child's willingness to go that extra mile and find ways to allow them to do it. Um, yeah. And, and we just don't know when that light is going to click on. So um, like you though, mine was later in life. So that's interesting as well. Well, I think that's super, I think that's a really great point. And I think that's a really important message for families too. Cause I think, I mean, I think you're right. The light's going to click and often for LD kids, it clicks for later. And, right. and that can be scary and frustrating and all those things. But I would also say, not always, but often it clicks later, but then it often will click, click brighter because, you know, but, you know, kind of your point, me in college, yep, with that, that lack of clicking for a while, you still are gaining some skills that there, there's something to having a hard time when everybody mm -hmm. else finds easy that uh, when, when the stakes get a little bit higher and effort and uh, uh, kind of a determination play a role, uh, you know, it, for the first time, a lot of kids that smooth through or smooth through school or, uh, you know, had no problems. They don't have that. Whereas our kids often do. So even if that light clicks a little bit later, oftentimes I, I do think it is brighter because they have things with them. And, and the other thing I will say, um, just kind of think it's so important too, to your point, you had sports, I had theater, you know, there was, and I often see parents understandably um especially parents that are on it and have means and they want to help and do all these things and the kids in tutoring five days a week and or our grades aren't good enough so we're not going to do the after school sport or we're not gonna, and i just i you know especially our kids they need an outlet where they find success so if it's not academics you know i think we need to also balance and put just as much importance on what they love and what they're good at and not take that away as a means to try to uh, bolster uh, grades. Because I, I see that sometimes and that just breaks my heart for those kids. Yeah. And to, to, to build on that is, is what some parents or family members might not understand is how hard that child is working from eight o'clock in the morning to two thirty, three o'clock when, when school releases. Um, I like to compare it to, you know, try learning for 12 hours and, and build and push it into, you know, like a six hour window of just a hundred percent brain power and focus and, and willingness to keep going when you feel down on yourself, that takes a toll. And I, like yeah. you mentioned, our kids need a break and they need to feel accomplished and they need to feel like they're doing something they love to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm a hundred percent on board with what you, what you mean by that is give our, our kids some space to do what they're good at. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you're absolutely right along the way when that light does click and it's just not that bright yet. They are learning so many things along the way. Um, the determination for me, I always, always preach it. It's huge. Um, yeah. The getting back up off the mat, the the willingness to take that D in math 
and then turn it around and hand the, the you know, the corrected worksheet back in or the test back in uh, after you work so hard on it at home uh, to correct those mistakes. Th that goes a long way and it builds character. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the one thing that LD students don't get enough credit for is their character. Um, yep. That's a, that's a great uh, point. I think the character that our students or students in general, the LD show is, is not applauded enough. It's not shined enough. Um, and hopefully soon with, you know, conversations like yours and eyes and, and the spreading of, of more awareness of LD, which you do an awesome job at. And I applaud you for that is you're on a thousand different podcasts and doing a thousand different things, but you, you, you're spreading the awareness. And I think that's so important. Well, I think I, I completely, I completely agree. I completely agree that we, the more people know, the more we can help and support these kids and do for these kids. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but you know, LD students need an advocate. Okay. And, and, you know, I'll get into it a little bit, but um, my mother was my biggest advocate. Um, she supported me whenever I needed her. Um, my dad was, was a supporter, but he didn't advocate for me learning. Um, he, like I said, I mentioned earlier, he thought nothing was wrong with me. You know, I would remember the football plays and, but my mom, I could remember homework, you know, going home and trying to study on note cards and her drawing pictures for me on there to help me remember it. But then I also remember throwing tantrums. You know, I remember hating doing homework. I remember laying on the floor, rolling around for like 30 minutes just to avoid and hope and pray that my mom would leave me alone and, and I can go outside and play. Um, but she stuck with it. She kept pushing me. Um, so who was your biggest advocate when, when you were in school? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, I mean, I, I would say again, very similar to you. I think uh, my mom for sure. Um, and again, the same thing. I mean, I remember um, math facts. Oh my God. I remember just spending hours with my mom on math facts, trying to get through, uh, uh, through that and vocabulary terms and all these things. And yeah, similar, like, Everything could turn into games or whatever it was um, to try and just get us both through school. And it, and it was interesting, too, because my mom, uh, incredibly successful, incredibly smart, you know, incredibly accomplished, but was also not very good at school. Right. So, again, right. we have dyslexia, genetic, uh, uh, who knows, but my mom was never a good student. So it, and I think that's also something that can be hard for parents at times is we're not surprised or our narrative of school is one of difficulty and disappointment. And so when our kids face difficulty and disappointment, we want to help, we want to relieve it, but we kind of think that's what school is, right? Going back right. to the idea of who knew school could be fun. Um, so my mom was a huge advocate. And I, and I also think she just thought this is what you do. Like, right. you know, this is, school's hard. We're not good at it. Right. Um, uh, so I, th I think that's also going back to that point too, of how do you raise awareness and, uh, uh, you know, help all kids. I think that can also be a challenge when it's, it's not when there's a generation of kind of school trauma. Um, right. it's, there's no, there's no other vantage point, right? Uh, right. You help your kid, but you don't know that there's another way or another alternative to what they're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to, to go back and mention what you had mentioned is, is it runs in families, right? Uh, LDs, dyslexia runs in families. And my mom, I have this conversation with her all the time. So she moved from Italy to America when she was 16 years old. Um, very bright, you know, very sociable. Um, but I could tell 100% that she has dyslexia, the way that she spells. But she always resorts back to, oh, no, it was because I moved from Italy and I had a hard time. And all, I was like, mom, I'm telling you. But um, I think that compassion, because she struggled, obviously, with the, the, the language when she moved here and everything. 
And that compassion for, for the struggle that I was having in school led her to push me and to drive me. Um, but you made a really good point is that you and I have a different um, view of what school is like. Um, and a lot of families and, and parents may not. It may have been easy to them. And they just like, why aren't you getting this? this you got to get this. And, and, and I, if I could say anything to those type of parents is, is you're doing a great job. You just need to be a little bit more supportive. Um, yeah. You know, just 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 give confidence to your child. They're going to get it. Just keep going. Um, you're not you're not a bad parent. You're not doing anything wrong because a lot of times they may think you're doing something wrong. Um, you're not. Right. You, you just it just it is what it is. And your child will get through it. But they need you in their corner. Um, yeah. And I think that's a huge thing. Um, yeah. We teach a lot of self-advocacy here at Trident Academy. And, and it's and it's something I wish all schools would do the public, everything. Um, our, our children need to have self-advocacy skills. Um, and, and I think like you mentioned earlier, it was a great point is, is the light is starting to get brighter. And I think with that, they are learning the advocacy, advocacy skills. They are learning that I need to speak up for myself. It's okay to ask questions. Um, it's okay to walk up to my teacher and not be afraid to ask them something after class. And I, and I think that's something that I was nervous about doing is, is asking for that help because if I asked for help, what would happen is they would keep me after class and I have to do extra work. And that's not what I wanted to do. Um, so I think the self-advocacy is, is huge. Yeah, I would completely agree. I, 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 we talk a lot about self-advocacy and self-awareness. We first have to, you know, uh, the, and we know just to research the role that metacognition and learning about learning and how you learn and what you need to learn. That's huge for all kids, but especially LD kids. So that self-awareness of how I learn best um, and where I thrive and where I struggle, I think is step one. And then step two, right behind it is that self-advocacy because you have to know, but then you have to act upon what you know. And that's a big piece. I know what Trata does that we do at Landmark. Um, I think it's one of the distinguishing factors of an LD school versus a traditional school, independent or public, doesn't really matter that you have to give opportunities and scaffolding for kids to not only know, but to act upon what they know. Right. Yeah. And, and as we both mentioned earlier, I mean, the light won't click until the acceptance clicks. And I think that's part of the self-advocacy. You, you know, you have to accept that you're dyslexic or you have an L, a certain LD and it's okay. And it's okay, but I'm going to have to realize that I'm going to have to work, you know, triple as hard as the person next to me. And I think that's, that's part of it all. Um, yeah. really is. Um, last question for you. Cause again, I know you're a busy person. Um, I could talk to you for hours and days because this is, this has been amazing for me to kind of, I guess, get it off my shoulders. And I guess that's, that kind of the, the point of this all yeah. is, is to have our listeners. You're not alone, right? This is dyslexia is in 10% of the, the world's population, if not more. Um, at least that's what we know, right? The ones that have been diagnosed, a lot of them are not. Um, so, you're not alone in this whole situation, but if it, Josh, if you could do or say one thing to your younger self, you know, what would that be? You know, that right. self that kind of doubted your, your abilities that, that kind of looked down on yourself. What was something you would, you would say to yourself? Yeah, that's a, such a great question. Um, I think for me, it would have something to do. I, for a long time, because of that doubt, because of that uh, a lack of self-confidence, I also, I, I was fairly narrow in what I thought I could be or do. Um, you know, there was no, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a lawyer, you know, uh, at least not in that kind of critical middle school, early high school time. I just, it, 
never occurred to me that I could aspire to do X, Y, or Z. I definitely didn't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Um, and so I think that would, I think that would be my uh, kind of biggest lesson if I, if I could give myself something was to just have the audacity to, uh, you know, think highly of yourself enough to know that you can do a lot of things. Um, right. Yeah, that, that's a, that's that's great. And it kind of goes to the point of what I like to tell my students is, you know, keep opening doors and keep those mm -hmm. doors open. Never shut them behind you because you never know when you want to go back and revisit one of those doors. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're born into this world. Right. You grow up in this world. You go to school and the world is your oyster. Right. And, I, and just keep dreaming because eventually that dream can become reality with the hard work and dedication. And I think that's that's something that we need to drive into all of our kids. LD students or not is, you know, if you're willing to go the extra mile for something, it's possible. Um, and, yeah. and like you said, is if you can't dream it, it's not going to be possible. Um, and you need to right. believe in yourself to do it. Um, so that was that was an absolutely great point. Um, Josh, this has been amazing. Like I said, I could talk to you for for hours, but um, I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Um, but this has been wonderful. And I hope um, one day down the road I can have you on again and we can just continue this conversation. I would love it. Thank you. This is this has been so great. Thank you for having me. And thanks for sharing your story throughout this as well. That was that was great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And guys, um, if you're listening, please remember to hit that subscribe button. Um, it's really important that that you know we get the followers that we want to because the more followers we have, the more that this can get out. And that's the point of this is we want these stories to reach as many ears as possible. All right. So thank you for joining us today. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful day.